together to read the whole of Psalm 2. Are we all there? Okay, let us rise to our feet. One, two, go. Why do the hidden rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord 
and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree the Lord hath said unto me, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Ask of me, and I shall give thee the hidden for thine inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Be wise now, therefore, O ye kings, be instructed, ye judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry, and ye perish from the way, when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all they that put their trust in him. City of David, praise the Lord. Nigeria, praise the Lord. Please be seated. So today we'll continue with the battle is the Lord's, part three. Now, we started this series and I explained at the very beginning that every single person that is here is involved in a conflict. Whether you believe it or not, that is the truth of life. It's a conflict between the devil and God, between good and evil, between light and darkness. No matter how peaceful you say you are, whether you like it or not, Satan wants to kill you. He wants to destroy you because his mission in life is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. The good news is that the battle we are involved in is actually the Lord's. It is not your battle, even though you have a role to play. Psalm 2 the first two verses set for us, as it were, the parameters of the battle. It says, why do the heathen rage? And the people imagine a vain thing. The battle is a vain thing. That is, is a battle, it's an exercise in futility. Satan cannot win. That's the way God has set the whole plan. It says, the kings of the earth set themselves against the set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. So it is against God, principally, that Satan is fighting. But he seeks to fight God by fighting you. He knows that if he touches you, he will touch God. So the enemy's main purpose in this conflict is against God. But he seeks to attack God by attacking God's own. That's what the Bible says when it says against his anointed. Psalm 2, therefore, speaks principally. It's a messianic psalm. Everybody say messianic psalm. Yes, it's a psalm that's principally about Jesus, the Lord's anointed. It also speaks on another level about David. David had a lot of the experiences that he wrote about in Psalm 2. And if it speaks about David, it also speaks about you and I. And the proof of all of that we find first in Acts chapter 4. 
try and understand this thing. Don't just sit down and be listening. If it rises in you as faith, it will solve a lot of problems. Acts chapter 4, verses 24 to 28. The Bible says, And when they heard, and when they had heard that, this is speaking about the apostles, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is, who by the mouth of thy servant David, this is a reference to Psalm 2, had said, why did the hidden rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord, against his Christ, for of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed. Both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. So we find that in the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, the heathen were raging. Pontius Pilate, Herod, the Gentiles, the chief priests were all members of what we will call the raging heathen. But the interesting thing is every single person who gathered together that time and shouted, crucify him, crucify him, they were the heathen raging. And the Bible says, any time the heathen is raging, listen carefully, it is always in vain. It is always in vain. Why? Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 46. Let's read together verses 9 and 10. Isaiah chapter 46, verses 9 and 10. So if the heathen is raging against you, if you are going through difficulties right now, for no just cause, things just seem to be falling apart, and people seem to be looking at you and laughing at you, it is in vain. Their laughing is in vain. Their mocking is in vain. It cannot... Yes, that's the word of God. And I'll show you. Isaiah 46. Let's sit together. Verses 9 and 10. 1, 2, go. Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is none else. I am God, and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times, the things that are not yet done. Saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. God says, I declare the end from the beginning. One, two. It is my counsel that will stand. The counsel of the heathen cannot stand. It is the counsel of God that will stand. So that no matter how the heathen rage, they rage in vain. When it even seems that they have succeeded, they shouted, crucify him, crucify him, and they put him on the cross. But the Bible tells us that even that was in vain because it was that cross that led to their defeat. First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 8. Turn there. First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 8. This is the verdict of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. The people who thought they had won went and put Jesus on the cross and they nailed him and they crucified him and he died. They thought the battle had been won. But look at what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 8. 1, 2, go. Which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. If they had known that their defeat lay in Jesus going to the cross, 
they would not have crucified him. But they did not know. Why? Because it is only God's counsel that will stand. Only God's counsel that will stand. So no matter who is raging against you today, it doesn't really matter. Even if it's a mother-in-law, it does not matter. It is the counsel of God that will stand. Just make sure that you are not somebody walking in the counsel of the ungodly. Just make sure that you walk in the counsel of who? Of God. For that's the only thing that will stand. Every other thing that is against you is in futility and it is vain. Every plotting will come to a defeated end. Now, let's look at the story of David, which we looked at last week. David was anointed king. And the first thing that the enemy did was to raise up Goliath to prevent him from getting to the throne. And of course, that Goliath did what? Met its death. Every Goliath that stands against you will die. Not because I say so, but because Goliath must die. You say Goliath cannot live. That's just the way God has ordained things. Anyone that stands as a Goliath against you will die. That's the word of God. It's not, I'm not cursing anybody. No Goliath lives. Goliath will always what? Die. And the Goliath is that that has stood against you and says, you will not get to your goal. Forgetting that you are what you are by the grace of God. We'll do an in-depth study of Paul next Tuesday. Because the way the enemy sometimes attacks is different. And I'd like to look at one other angle of it next Tuesday. So when David was finally crowned king in Second Samuel chapter 5, verses 1 through to 7, we read it last week, I don't want to read it again. The hidden said, well, he will not enter into Jerusalem because they didn't want him there and they sent the lame and the blind, which I've explained. When they say somebody is lame, he cannot walk. So he cannot walk with God. He who is blind cannot see, therefore has no vision and is in the congregation of the dead. But they had forgotten that God had said in Psalm 2 verse 6, Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. That holy hill of Zion is the same place as Jerusalem. It's the same place as the city of David. So if God had called a place the city of David, how can somebody or any group of people gather together and say, the person called David will not enter into the city of David? It is a vain rage. And in the end, they were all destroyed. And the Bible says David took the city of David. If you look at 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 7, the Bible says, Nevertheless, David took the stronghold of Zion. The same is the city of David. The relevance of all of this to us who are here today is this. Everything that God has spoken concerning you is the counsel of God. And that counsel shall stand. Amen. The raging of the heathen, the counsel of the kings of the earth shall not stand, cannot stand against you. Now, there's one interesting counsel of God in the Bible. Turn with me to Job chapter 33. I just want to deal with anybody here who has a skin disease. Let me show you what the counsel of God says concerning that situation. Job chapter 33. And the thing is, this thing works even for people suffering from serious pimples, acne, and all those kind of stuff. It works. Job 33. Read with me 
verses 24 and 25. Are we all there? Job, Job, just behind Psalms. This is good now, wow. Verses 24 and 25. One, two, go. Then he is gracious unto him and saith, Deliver him from going down to the pit. I have found a ransom. His flesh shall be fresher than a child's. He shall return to the days of his youth. Jesus, God says, Because I have found a ransom. Who is your ransom? Jesus Christ. Because God has found a ransom for you. In that ransom is Jesus Christ. He says, Your flesh shall be fresher than a child's. You shall return to the days of your youth. So if you are here and you have a skin problem, the word of God says, Because Jesus went to the cross, your flesh shall be fresher than a child's, and you shall return to the days of your youth. The counsel of the Lord shall stand. And the counsel of the Lord is that there shall be none barren in the land. So all those of us believing God for the fruit of the womb, that is the counsel that will stand. There's no other counsel that will stand against you. The counsel of the Lord is that for your sakes, Jesus Christ became poor so that you might be what? Rich. So that's the counsel of God. You are not going to die poor. Never. It's not possible. It is not possible. It is God who said it is not good for man to be alone. So you will get married. Yes, you are not going to live life as a single person. That is not the counsel of God. And I'll show next week how the enemy uses these situations to rage against people. Turn with me to Psalm 2, verse 7. Read verse 7 with me. One, two, go. I will declare the decree. The Lord hath said unto me, Thou art my son. This day have I begotten thee. Now, let's try and understand this. I will declare the decree. The Lord has said unto me, Thou art my son. That word decree there is the same thing as counsel. It means that God speaks and it is done. Making it simple. Let's not do very difficult definitions. When you see that word decree, it means the place where God speaks and it is done. He commands and it stands fast. That's a decree. Once it's spoken, it must come to pass. And that is the way God's counsel is put forward. It says, this is the Lord speaking, Jesus. It says, this day have, have I begotten thee. Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Which day is being referred to here? It is the day of resurrection. Everybody say, the day of resurrection. Jesus, our Lord and Savior, was born of a woman by the power of the Holy Spirit so that he might feel and suffer for man all the raging, all the counsel of the hidden and the kings of the earth so that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Everybody say, many brethren. Yes, you are the many brethren. By his resurrection, Jesus is declared to be the Son of God. By his resurrection, getting up from the dead makes him the Son of God. What's the relevance of that to you and I? Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. I want us to read verses 4 to 6 together. Ephesians chapter 2, 
verses 4 and 6. By his resurrection, Jesus is declared to be the Son of God. That has some implications for everybody who is here. That's what I want to show you in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4, 5, and 6. Let's read together. One, two, go. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, had quickened us together with Christ. By grace are ye saved, and had raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Because Jesus rose from the dead, you too have the gift of the power of the resurrection of God. He says, God raised you from the dead. Because when we were steeped in sin, we were dead. So the day that Jesus got up, just by his getting up, God shows that each person here also has that gift of getting out from the dead. And he says that not only were you raised when Jesus was raised, but you also seated in heavenly places in Christ. Where is Jesus today? He's seated at the right hand of God the Father. Where are you? You are seated with Christ in where? In heavenly places. That same place where Jesus is, that is where you are. In the spirit realm. Do you understand me? Yeah, because I know many of you know you are sitting somewhere in Lagos. Some of you sit in Oshodi. Some of you sit in Shomolu. Some sit in VGC. Some sit in Lekki. But as far as God is concerned, you are seated where? In Christ. Try and keep that into your head. And don't think you are anywhere else. So that you too have been declared what? The Son of God. 1 John 3, 1. 1 John 3, 1. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called what? The sons of God. You are also the son of who? Of God. So Jesus said that the Lord said to him, I will declare the decree. Go back to Psalm 2. I will declare the decree. Verse 7. The Lord hath said unto me, Thou art my son. This day have I begotten thee. That gift is as a result of the resurrection of Jesus. That same resurrection has been conferred unto you. And the Bible tells us that you too are called what? The son of God. Now, you are not called the son of God just because God wants to call you son. There are benefits. Verse 8. Let us read together. Verse 8. One, two, go. Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. So the benefits of sonship is that God says, ask of me. He didn't say, ask of me the heathen for thine inheritance. He says, ask of me, and he gives you the answer. He says, and I shall give thee. So if you ask, you will get. Ask of me and I shall give thee the hidden for thine inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. In the New King James Version, listen carefully, the word hidden is replaced with the word nations. In the New King James Version, it says, ask of me and I will give you the nations for, the, for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. God says, ask of me, and I'll give you what? The nations for your inheritance. 
and the ends of the earth for your possession. The nations is a bigger word than heathen. Whilst heathen tends to refer to human beings. A nation refers to not just the people of that nation, but every single thing that that nation owns. Why would God ask, ask you to ask for the nations and the ends of the earth? One, because Psalm 24, verses 1 and 2, the Bible says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. For he hath founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. Now stop for a second. How many people went back and are reading Deuteronomy? Let me see your hands. Put up your hand like a person who knows he's reading. Not when you me, you do like this. Are you reading half and half? Like this is when I say put up your hand. Now those of you who are reading Deuteronomy, one of the things you'll find as it concerns the nations of the earth, notice how in chapter 2 and chapter 3, the Bible keeps talking about the Zamzumims, how God took them away and brought somebody else. God takes this away and brings another nation. God took this away and brought them rise. Do you understand what I'm talking about? It tells you clearly, that's really confirmation for you, that everything that we see in life is orchestrated by God. He can take away an MD today and bring a new MD. Yes, that's the way God works. Read Deuteronomy. I said we should go and read it. I've been reading it. I don't understand you people. There's no magic in God. It's just this is word. And then as the Lord begins to open it and explain to you, you begin to see what you should do and how you should react to certain situations. Now, in Psalm 50, verse 10, the Bible says, For every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle upon a thousand hills. Verse 11 says, I know all the fowls of the mountains, and the wild beasts of the field are mine. I'm trying to set for you why God will say, Ask of me, and I shall give thee the nations for thine inheritance, even unto the ends of the earth. If you understand that, you should suddenly understand that, ah, my lot in life, therefore, cannot be to stay in a 2 by 12 by 12 room in Shomolu. Because I'm here and God is saying to me, I can have the whole world. But everything depends on your mind and your perception of God. In Haggai chapter 2, verse 8, the Bible says, The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. It is this God who owns everything that says, Ask of me, and I shall give thee the nations, the heathens, for thine inheritance, even unto the ends of the earth. If God owns all these things, ask yourself one simple question. What is it then that I can want that God cannot provide? What is it that you can want and God cannot provide? Now stop for a second and say to yourself, what are the things I've been asking God for? Just try and follow me. These things, I know what I'm talking about, they work. It doesn't matter how difficult it looks. What are those things? Some of us have been here, been believing God for something for a while. And that thing does, doesn't seem to be working. So, some people have accepted that maybe, well, they say that sometimes God can say wait. Sometimes God can say maybe. Sometimes God can say yes. And the Bible doesn't say so. It says God's words always are 
yes and amen. Yes. The reason, the reason why I'm believing God for things, and those things are just seeming unachievable, is I have not learned how to delight myself in the Lord. That's all. You have prayed, Abi. How many people have prayed and fasted here and the thing didn't work? Let me see your hands. Good. The reason is you have not learned how to delight yourself in the Lord. You know, David was what? A shepherd boy. He never wanted to be king. But because he knew how to delight himself so much in the Lord, God decided that this is the kind of example of a man that I want to be king. Why? Because the difference is not how intelligent I am. It's how much of God is working in me. That's all. That's all. The Bible says in James chapter 1 verse 17, let's read it together. It's the word of God. Turn to James chapter 1 verse 17. Some people are just sitting down, already defeated. Everybody stand to your feet. See how you are standing before God. (laughs) Everybody sit down, sit down. God will help us all. <laughs> James 1.17 Are we all there? Let's read together. One, two, go. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of light with whom is no variableness and neither shadow of turning. Another way to explain no variableness and neither shadow of turning is that his counsel shall stand. In other words, in God, there's nothing like uh, maybe, yes. Once he has spoken, it is done. The reason why we keep using specific scriptures day in, day out in this church is that those scriptures over time will come to life in you. And once that happens, any time, I know a story, this is a true story, a Muslim who became a Christian, and one day they gathered against him, they sent some people to go and kill him. But there were a few. So when they got up to him, ha, he laughed. He said, the Bible says a thousand shall fall by my side, ten thousand by my right hand. He said, how many are you? He counted them, one, two, three, four, four. You're not even up to a hundred. So he just walked past them. And they turned and looked at him and he went away. Now, if it was you a Christian, you say, yea. You put your hands on your head and they will kill you. Because we don't even know who we are. But the man believed that scripture. And see, the word of God cannot fail. He can't. He believed it so much that he put his life on that scripture. The scripture must come to life for him. It must work. Because that scripture is God himself. God himself. So the time has come for us to begin to believe God. All good gifts, every good gift, every perfect gift is from above. And cometh down from the Father of light. With whom is no variableness. You know, today is, 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 is shining. Tomorrow is not so clear. No, no, no. It's a very straightforward God. Neither shadow of turning means his counsel must stand. What the word of God says is what will happen. So, today we are going to ask, because the word of God says, ask of me. And I'll give the But before we ask, let me show you what God says will happen to the heathen. Verse 9. Let's read verse 9 of Psalm 2 together. 
This is why we say the battle is the Lord's. Are we all there? Psalm 2 verse 9, 1, 2, go. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. The kings of the earth, the heathen, God says you will break them with a rod of iron. You will dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. You see, um, I met a, a gentleman who came to see me the other day. I just want to say this to help everybody. And he was having a problem, you know, meeting his target, supposed to be a salesman. And the whole thing was creating a problem at work. So I said, how do you go and pitch for sales? He says, well, he has all his tools. He knows what to do. He goes to talk to people about their products. I said, okay, this coming week, when you are going, this is what I want you to do. Drive, when you are driving your car, don't talk to anybody. Just pray in tongues until you get to the place you are going to. When you get there, sit in the car and pray in tongues for another 10 minutes. And then go. I say, when you sit in the place where they are going to meet with you, be praying under your breath in tongues. I say, come back and tell me the results. Of course, the results were dramatically different. Dramatically different. He's a lot happier now because he has found a tool. But that tool, has it not been there all along? It has been there. But all of us just get up and go without God. That's an ungodly way to do anything. In this church, we must be an army who goes out with God. Sometimes I want to talk to someone on the phone. I'll just put the phone down. I pray first and I talk to the person. Just an ordinary phone call. Yes. Because I don't want me to talk. I want who? God to talk. It's not being a fanatic. It's being a real Christian. Now the Bible says in verse 9, Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Everybody that is raging against you, God says in his word, you will break them, what? With a rod of iron, and you will dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. What does that mean? Turn with me to Psalm 110. Let me show you the meaning. We'll read Psalm 110 together. Quickly, quickly, because we are going to pray now. Psalm 110. Let's read together. One, two, go. The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit down at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. The Lord shall send the rod of thy strength out of Zion. Roll down in the midst of thine enemies. Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power. In the beauties of holiness, from the womb of the morning, thou shalt the dew of thy youth. The Lord hath sworn and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. The Lord at thy right hand shall strike through the kings in the day of his wrath. He shall judge among the heathen. He shall fill the places with dead bodies. He shall wound the heads over many countries. He shall drink of the brook in the way. Therefore shall he lift up the head. Now, this is an interpretation of a lot of what is in Psalm 2. He says, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit, down, sit out thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. And we said that when Jesus rose from the dead, he today sits where? At the right hand of God. And in explaining resurrection, I said, you two were raised that same day. 
when Jesus rose. And you now sit where? The Bible says, in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. If Christ is on the right hand of God, where are you if you are in Christ? You're on the right hand of God. So when God says, sit thou at my right hand, until I make thine enemies thy footstool. Yes, it is messianic, but because it is messianic, it also refers to you. Your enemies will become your footstool. That is the plan of God. Not that you'll be running helter-skelter. There are many people in church who do not know what is in church, and because of that, they run from church to the kingdom of darkness to go and look for help, and they become people held in bondage twice over. Verse 2 says, The Lord shall send the rod of thy strength. If you flip back to Psalm 2. Thou shalt break them with what? A rod of iron. And the Bible says, The Lord shall send the rod of thy strength. The rod of thy strength is the same as that rod of iron. What is the significance of that word rod there? Bible students or scholars, should I say. The truth is the rod speaks of authority. Everybody say authority. That's what the rod speaks of. It speaks of authority. And authority as in the rod of Aaron that budded. You know the story of the rod of Aaron that budded. When all those foolish people were challenging Moses and Aaron, and they said, we too, we can prophesy. We too, we can hear from God. And God said, okay, all of you bring your rods. They all brought their rods. And the rod of Aaron, each person's rod will have his name on the rod. And the rod of Aaron was the only one that budded. It showed that Aaron was the one that had what? Authority. Because the battle is not yours. The battle is the Lord. That's why it says, the Lord shall send, for, send the rod of thy strength out of where? Out of Zion. Zion represents the church. So the rod of authority is not your individual authority as much as it is the collective authority of the church that God is speaking about. So that when he says you will break them in pieces with the rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel, it is the church that has that ability to destroy the heathen, to destroy our enemies, not just ourselves. Do you understand? So don't go out tomorrow and go and tell your mother-in-law, God will punish you. God hasn't sent you on that errand. You have no such authority. Your authority lies in the church. Rule thou in the midst of thine enemies. That is the plan of God. You will rule in the midst of your enemies. And what God is looking for is found in verse 3. It says, Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power, in the beauties of holiness, from the womb of the morning, thou hast the dew of thy youth. And I hope that we are willing to pray today, because the power of the Lord is here to destroy our enemies. In verse 4 it says, The Lord hath sworn and will not repent. What that means is his counsel shall stand. Everybody say, his counsel shall stand. I want you to go away knowing in your heart that it is the counsel of God concerning you that will stand. No other counsel can stand. None. When he says, God has sworn and he will not what? Repent. He will not change his mind. Once God has spoken, that is it. There's nothing anybody can do about it. He says in verse 5, The Lord at thy right hand shall strike through kings. 
in the day of his wrath. He will vex them in his sore displeasure, the Bible says in Psalm 2. He will judge among the heathen. He shall fill the places with dead bodies. He shall wound the heads over many countries. Today, the Lord is going to fill the places with the dead bodies of our enemies. Amen. All he requires of you is to arise and lift up your voices and pray. So what I want, because in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, the Bible says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. So today I want us to rise to our feet. We are standing together as the church of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Today I want you first... Um, I didn't put this on the screen, but I want you to open your mouth and tell the Lord that because he says in his word that we shall break them, the heathen, our enemies, with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel, that he should arise even so and destroy every enemy of ours, as he stated in Psalm 110. Let's read Psalm 110 together. Then I want us principally to pray in tongues. Okay? Don't call anybody's name. Because people can die. One, two, go. The Lord has said unto my Lord, Sit thou at the right hand, until I make thine enemies thy footstool. The Lord shall send the rod of thy strength out of Zion. Rule thou in the midst of thine enemies. Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power. In the beauties of holiness, from the womb of the morning, Thou hast the dew of thy youth. The Lord has sworn and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. The Lord at thy right hand shall strike through kings in the day of his wrath. He shall judge among the heathen. He shall fill the places with dead bodies. He shall wound the heads over many countries. Lift up your voice and just speak in tongues. Matoza kize bekete mariza katanda yakete reba katana de matozo koto bazikete bastayaka zakite. Know that every word you speak is against your enemy. So if you like, speak quietly. If you like, speak powerfully. Matozo koto bazike barakatana yade. Mandozo koto bayakatayade. Maikata <laughs> Mandozoko to rekezekete bazakata ndazakita yakata mandozoko to bazaki yakata balakazakata nazakata yade bandozoko to rekezekete bazaki yabakata ndayade mandozoko to rekezekete bazakita yakata nayadela barakazakata zekete balika bandozoko to ndayakata mandazakite rekayakata kayaka bazakata nazikete ma mandozoko to rekete barakata mandazakite lekarakata yade Make ye by Akataya de la Cata, Madozoko to Rekezekete, Bascataya de la Macayadela, 
Mando Sokoto Ekete Barikata. Mande Sekete Barikata Yade. Kete Bazakata. Mando Sokoto Ndekete Barikata. Bayakata Zakata Yade. Belekede Balakata Yade. Maikata Yakata Nazekete Barakata Yakata Yade Lakata. Mando Sokoto Rekete Ba. Mande Sekete Barikata Yade. Bada Zakata Yakata Yade Lakata. Mando Sokoto Rekete Barikata. Kede Bozokoto Rekete Barakata Yade. Bakata makata yadela, bakata makata yadela. Kede bazakata yadela kede ba, kede bazakata yadela kede ba. Bakolo zokoto bekere bakayade. Kede brozotonde kede barakata, madese kede barikata yadela kede bo. Bakazaki ebala, madese kete bazikata yadela kata, madese kete barakata yade. Bere bozokotonde, madese kete barikata nayade. Bando zotonde kete barikata. Mande zekete rebakata, barakazakata ndayadele, lebrozo kotonde, madie kete barakata, bayakazakata ndayade, berekete marakata. Maikata yadele kete barakata, mando zokoto rekeze kete barikata, kadebo zokotonde, bande zekete barikata yade, bakazakata ndayade, medo zokoto beze kete barikata, madese bekele barakata ndayade lakata. Mande zokoto rekete barikata yade, mede bozekete mazikata yade, mande zekete bazikata yada zakatanda yade, baka zakite reba, kata zakata dazikete, kata zakata zikete, bere bozokotonde, kata bazikete marikata, mato zokoto rekete bayakata, bayaka zakatanda yade lekete, bele kazakata, kata bazikete marikata yade zekete, bayaka zakatanda yade le. Baroso koto mozo koto reketa yata Kande bozo koto nekele Le braza kata yede Bayeke zekete reba Baroso koto nekele makata yade Lekede barakata Le zekeba likata yade Medebo sekide bala Mande zekete reba rakata Bayaka zakata na zekete reba yakata Maikata yakata nderebo Bara zekete marikata yade Bereke zekete marikata yada Mando zokoton dekete barakata, mande zekete barakata kata yade, baroko zokoto, kere bazakata, mande zekete barakata, mande zekete barikata yade, le zekete malakata, mando zokoto rekete barakata yade. Alleluia, alleluia. So it is and shall be in Jesus' mighty name. Praise the Lord. Now what I wanted to do is this. Listen carefully. The Bible says in verse 8. Let's read it together. Psalm 2 verse 8. 1, 2, go. Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. And I've explained to you that in the New King James Version, it says, Ask of me, and I'll give you the nations for your inheritance, and the ends of the earth for your possession. So you are going to this time, we are not going to say, have mercy upon me. This time, I want you to just tell God one by one what you are requested. But before you do so, you must first exalt his name. Tell him that he alone is God. Tell him that his word says that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Let me not go on. If you know the rest of it, say so to him. Tell him that the cattle on a thousand hills belong to him. That the silver and the gold are his Tell him that his word says that every good and perfect gift comes from him. 
the father of lights. Therefore, you come in confidence into, with his word that says, ask of me, that these are your requests that you have. Do you understand? Okay, let's lift up our voices and talk to the Lord. Zokoto Bazike Mazikata Bazakatana Zekete Barikatayade Kando Zokoto Mazikete Marikatanda Yade Lazakata Mazikete Balakazakatanda Yade Lebro Zoko Balazakite Mando Zokoto Bazakatanda Yade Bereke Malikata Mando Zoko Lakite Le Barakatanda Yade Mede Bozo Kuta Balakazakite Le Katayada Lakita Nambro Zokoto Bazikete Malikatayade Hallelujah Hallelujah and so shall it be in Jesus' mighty name. City of David, praise the Lord. Nigeria, praise the Lord. Okay, we are going to do something that we did last Tuesday. Because we know that it is the counsel of God that shall stand. We are going to bring some proclamations even so before him today. Put those proclamations on. The very first one, Psalm 107 verse 2. I want you to all proclaim that I am the redeemed of the Lord. I have been redeemed from the hands of the enemy. That the Lord's thoughts towards me are thoughts of peace. Therefore, fear, confusion have no place in me. Fear of death, fear of ill health, and the confusion arising therefrom has no place in me. So today, I speak the word of the Lord to every fear and every situation of confusion in my life. Peace be still. Lift up your voices and bring that proclamation up. So it is and shall be in Jesus' mighty name. I am what I am.
Point three, number three, or proclamation three. Okay, lift up your voices and take this proclamation. One, two, go. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of God. For Psalm 91, 16 says, The Lord will satisfy me with long life and show me his salvation. I shall live to see my children's children. Because Jesus lives, I shall live also. So it is and shall be. In Jesus' mighty name. I am what I am.
Before this proclamation before the Lord, Jesus was wounded for my transgressions, also, and he was bruised for my iniquities. And the chastisement of my peace was laid upon him, and his stripes my healing has been paid for. My portion, because Matthew 8:17 says, Himself took my infirmities and bare my sicknesses. Sickness has no place in me because 1 Corinthians 6:19 states, My body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in me, which I have of God. So it is and shall be. In Jesus' mighty name. I am what I am. Nigeria, praise the Lord. Nigeria, praise the Lord. Nigeria, praise the Lord. Nigeria, praise the Lord. 